Hey, this is Adam Starling. I'm the senior pastor at Victory Family Church. Thank you so much for joining us today. I pray this message will inspire you, encourage you, and hopefully challenge you to become everything that God has called you to be. Enjoy the message. Good morning, family. How are we doing? Are we good? Thank you guys so much for being here today. If you don't know me, my name is Matt. I'm the lead pastor here and just thankful that you are here. So if you're a guest with this, man, welcome. Welcome to the family, man. We are super glad that you are here. Super honored that you would be here uh, today. Has your week been good? Good, good, good. I hope, I hope it has. This last week, man, I endured something I've never done before. So I've, I've, I don't know if you've noticed, I'm trying not to show it as much, but got a little limp going on, a little, little knee issue I've had for a while. I've had four knee surgeries in my life, but trying to avoid that fifth. That's I'm trying to avoid that fifth. And so had an injection in my knee, never done that before. That was a needle about that long, but it was fine. And so, uh, man, things are going well uh, for me. Glad you are here uh, today. Before we get into the word, let, let me tell you a few things. Uh, number one, small groups are right around the corner. Small groups are right around the corner, and uh, man, there's some statistics you could read that would say, pastors, if you have 30% of your people in small groups, it's successful. Nonsense. I believe everyone needs to be in a small group. I really believe that with everything in me. And so this uh, semester, we're launching what we call Alpha, which is unbelievable. So uh, I think Alpha really was designed years ago, actually out of Europe. I think it was really for the kind of high intellectual atheist is actually who was written for it. Tell them about Christ, et cetera. And so we've actually required our staff to go through it the last six weeks. It's nine weeks total. It is next level. Like it is unbelievable. Kind of apologetics. Like maybe you've walked with Christ for a long time, but the reality is you don't really know why you believe what you believe. Maybe. And so it is just incredible. And it's done so well. And those incredible British accents help it too. It's just, it's a cool thing. And so let me say this. So we need people to lead small groups. And so this is, uh, I would want you to prepare somewhat, of course, but this is easy. This, this, this curriculum is so easy. It's already there. You're going to watch in a group. You're going to host a group at your house. There'll be 20 minutes of a, a video. Questions are already done. Like it's really easy uh, to lead this. I'm actually, or so uh, man, so behind this that I'm actually going to teach it on Sunday nights here in the building also. And so, uh, man, I just want our entire church to go through this, but it's going to be incredible. But when you leave here, walk down towards the kids' hallway. Uh, the Sanchez will be there. Uh, you can get some information about hosting a small group. Well, we're in week two of this series called Derailed. And so if you weren't here last week, let me bring you quickly up to speed. And so last week we talked about that, that maybe we were once walking with Christ, but for whatever reason, we found ourselves kind of derailed in our walk with Christ. So I don't think it ever happens that someone wakes up and says, you know, this Jesus thing isn't working for me. I don't think that happens. So I don't think necessarily even happen on purpose, but I don't know. Maybe you just got going too fast in life. Maybe your priorities got shifted around a little too much and, and things became more important to you than Jesus. And if you're honest, you woke up one day and you think, good grief, what happened? Like, where am I at? Like, what happened to me in this? We said last week, in regarding to your walk with Christ, in order to get that back on track, so to speak, we said three things. You need to remember, repent, and refocus. So remember, remember what? Remember the cross. Literally, the Bible said there in Galatians, Galatians 5, just to remember at the heights, 
to which you've fallen. Like, I think it helps you. I don't want to ever create Eeyore Christians that we just think about, oh, I used to be so bad. But I think it helps, right? I think it helps to look how far he's actually brought me that I can look back and say, oh man, I truly was a, save a wretch like me, changed me. I think it's helpful, man. I think it's helpful to look back and see how far God has uh, brought you. And then we talked about repenting. Not a lot we talk about in the church, unfortunately, anymore. Uh, uh, but we need to. We need, and repenting is far more than repenting of your sins and coming to Christ. It's lifelong. We continue to repent. Some of us might need to repent for the sins that derailed us in the first part. And so we, did, we, I mean, we get forgiveness. God, God doesn't say no. He forgives us when we come to him. And so maybe you need to repent. And then also, I mean, probably all of us, man, we just need to refocus. The Bible said that I held this one thing against you last week. You lost your first love. Get back to doing the things you did at first, the Apostle Paul or it says in that text, to get back to the things that you were doing. So refocus on what did you do at first? When you first came to know Christ, did you, did, did you, was your walk a little more passionate? Like, did you worship a little different when you first came to know Christ? Like, allow that Christ to stir that affection up inside of you. So today, I mean, we're going to talk about freedom a little bit. I, I want to talk about freedom, and I, I want to talk about really what true freedom is. Because really, here in America, I, I think it's the greatest country in the world, but I do think we're at a disadvantage in that when we think about freedom here in the land of the free, I think we often confuse the true nature, the true godly nature of freedom. Listen to me. Freedom does not equal personal independence. I'm not saying that someone didn't fight for that in this country. I'm talking about the biblical freedom. That ain't in there. This personal independence ain't in the scriptures. That's not there at all. This is not the freedom that Jesus actually promised. And so maybe, maybe you would come to realization and realize, man, there was a day. There was a day where I was really free from some things, but maybe you would be honest enough to say, man, I think I've been derailed. I think I've found myself kind of chained back up. I feel like some bondage that's, that's come back on me. You found yourself kind of suppressed and in chains, loaded down with some sort of baggage. So let me say it like this. So uh, when I go to the grocery store, when I come home, uh, I get all the, the bags in the back of my truck or whatever. And I, I have a shop, so I park in my shop usually, but when it's grocery store time, I park right outside the garage. And so I walk around the truck, and let me tell you what I do. I open that door, and all I see is a challenge. I don't care if there's two bags or 200. I ain't making two trips. Like, I'm not making two trips. Like, they're all going to go in there with me no matter. Well, this is actually a picture of me walking in just the other day. That's me. Like, I, I'm not, I ain't making two trips. Like, I'm not going back out there, right? And so one time, Julie even suggested one of these things felt terribly disrespected as her husband. I felt terribly disrespected. Why would I need that? Like, why would I need that? It'll be at least a week before I go back to the store. These cuts will heal from that plastic. Like, I ain't going back. I'm going to make it in, in this, right? I do think there are times, even in our own walk with Christ, we fail to walk in freedom because of the pride we have. Because we can handle it. We can do it. We don't actually need Christ to free us, but we can just manage on our own. Oh, I don't know, maybe freedom scares us. Like we don't know how to actually live free. But here's the truth. There is a better way. There is an easier way. There's a less stressful way. Listen, Jesus came, he died so that you and I could actually be free and not look like that. Like actually free from this baggage of, of sin and shame and, and guilt and insecurities that we all walk with. But listen, we need him. 
Like we need him to actually set us free. Nobody in this room has the self-determination that would empower them ever to overcome their own bondage and their own blindness. That that would provide this kind of uh, decisive influence and open their eyes to see Christ as compelling and actually come to him. Nobody does that for himself. Listen to me. Left to ourselves without Christ, we need to get this. Left to ourselves without Christ, we are so deeply in love with darkness, we'll never come to the light. We won't. We won't. Don't act like you saved yourself. You brought yourself out. That's not true. You would have never chose him if he hadn't chose you first. He is the one that, that makes me, he turns my heart that I would now want to go after him. The reality is Christ breaks into our lives. And the Holy Spirit, man, breaks in and sets us free. And, and quite honestly, man, I don't want to offend you, but I would argue that only Christians actually understand true freedom. Like to really understand true freedom. In, in Romans chapter 6, the Apostle Paul says this, We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. So that we would no longer be enslaved. Like that's an option. Like you have an option to not, no longer be enslaved to sin. And then Romans 6, 17, he goes on and he says, but thanks be to God that you who are once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. So our freedom in Christ is described as free, joyful, satisfying obedience to Christ. That's freedom. Our freedom, the freedom you have the opportunity to experience, it is, it is free, it's joyful, satisfying obedience to Christ. And so what I want to do is I want to walk through, maybe you've fallen off track. And for whatever reason, you look down and you're, you're hemmed up again. But to, to actually walk in that Freedom, how do we get back on that? The first thing we have to understand is we are set free to live free. Like that's why he sets us free. In Galatians 5, verse 1, it says, For freedom, that's why, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again. Like it's going back. Don't submit again to the yoke of slavery. I I think it's inferred here. We were all in slavery and bondage at one time. Once we got free, he's saying, don't go back. Don't go back to that yoke. We know, we all know this, man. Christ is the one who sets us free. But listen to me. I think there's a big difference between being set free, something he did all by himself, you had nothing to do with that, than actually walking in freedom, than actually living free. So it's one thing to be set free, I think it's a whole nother thing to actually live free. So here in Galatians, he's saying, you've been set free, now live free. I think it's a perfect example if you think about the Old Testament. If you think about the Israelites, man, they're in bondage or in slavery to the Egyptians for so, so many years, hundreds of years. And you remember after the plagues, man, that God sets them free, like they're actually free. But if you'll read those stories, man, they, 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 they travel around in the, the wilderness with a few obstacles come up and they want to turn back. Like they want to go back to being enslaved. Like they were, they were set free, but they want to go back. Like why would you choose to go back? But read it, man, they want to. They're, they get some obstacles and they just say, we'll just go back. We'll just go back. You ever saw the movie Shawshank Redemption? I'm not sure if a pastor should suggest that. I think it's a rated R movie, but either way, it's a great movie. 
Uh, maybe you shouldn't watch it. I don't know, but it's, it's a good movie. Uh, so if you remember that movie, man, it's about these guys that are in prison. And so I don't remember all the stories, but I remember there's this guy in the movie named Brooks. He's the older guy. I'm guessing he's in his 70s. He's in prison. And I don't remember what he did. I don't know if the movie says, but that dude was in there for 50 years. 50 years. I'm guessing here he's probably 70, 75 years old, and it, he gets out. Like, he's been in there for 50, we'll say since 20, and he's 70, and he gets released. Well, if you remember that, you hear this narration, the story goes on where he's trying to live life, man. Never been, been in prison his whole life. Gets out, he's trying to work at the grocery store, man. He can't figure it out, man. Stuff's moving too fast. And it was set in a time where, I guess there weren't a lot of cars before he went in. He comes out and he almost gets ran over. So busy, there's so many things that are going on. Like, he can't figure it out. And one time he even says, I should just rob the grocery store. So I could just go back. Like he just wants to go back. And so meanwhile, you flip over scenes to, to Red, Morgan Freeman with that incredible voice, man. He's talking to the rest of these prisoners on the, the yard. And he just talks about, he says, the problem is Brooks was institutionalized. They're like, what are you talking about? You know what you're talking about. And then, then, he, then I quote from the movie. He says, these walls, they're funny. First you hate them and then you get used to them. After enough time passes, you get so that you actually depend on them. That's institutionalized. And so I want you to ask yourself this this morning. Are you set free, but are you actually living free? There's a big difference. Christ sets you free, but are you living free? I just think sometimes, like old Brooks, man, we just rather go back. Maybe like the Israelites, sometimes we would just rather go back to the comfort. The thought that there may be comfort in bondage is a bit mind-boggling, but there is sometimes for people. There's some real comfort in just knowing versus actually this unknown freedom that Christ has promised. So ask yourself, are you walking in joy, peace? Are you discovering new things that he has for you? Are you actively loving and growing towards others? Or are you living with anxiety and fear and depression and sin and anger with, with no real peace? All these things, you can escape, but all these things possibly are holding you captive. Freedom is already yours. Jesus is not going back to the cross. Like he's already done it. Like you know when he's on the cross, he said it's finished. That's, it is, it's finished. Like there's no more of that. You just have to learn. I just have to learn to actually walk in this freedom. Listen to me, the moment we give our lives to Jesus, man, we are set free from the things of this world. And we're set free to, not only from, but we're set free to Know who we are, who God is, and what he created us to do in Jesus. Listen to me, freedom is the gospel. Man, the gospel is the good news. And it's not just for eternity one day. Like, that's just not what it's for. It's not just that I want to give my life to Christ and just get out, of, get out of hell free card. There's much more than that. We're called to walk in this freedom, the gospel, every single, every single day. And even the hint of bondage is your life where you've just simply lost sight of the gospel. I'm not saying you're a bad person. I'm not saying you can't flip that around in a second. I'm just saying when you find yourself enslaved, you've just lost sight. You've just simply for a few minutes, maybe a few days, maybe a few months or years, you've lost sight of the gospel. And so here's my, my fear is, is that we have allowed the enemy, like, he, like the, we're free, but we've allowed the enemy to trick us into believing that we're still in bondage, even though you're actually not. So if you, you can Google this, but if you look in, in India, they hold uh, elephants. If you look, full-grown elephants will hold with a small little rope, if they've got them tied up somewhere, around their leg. You can look at this. 
And so you think, man, it's a big elephant. It's a small rope. Sometimes you'll see chains, but a lot of times you'll see a rope, like a small little rope holding this huge animal that at any given time, if he chose to, he could rip that out of the ground and leave. But you know why he doesn't? Because when when he was baby, when he was really little, they tied a rope around his leg and it was enough to hold a baby. And so when he tried, he learned in such a way that I'm not free. I'm actually still tied up. It's still the same yoke that's been around me this my entire life. Listen, you're free and you have the freedom, but you don't think you're actually free. So, So to live free, you also, you have to believe that you're free. Like there's one thing for me to say you're free and free indeed, Christ set you free, but you actually have to believe it for yourself. You ever notice this? For myself too, it's often easier for me to believe that you're free than it is for me to believe that I myself is free. Like sometimes I think of that Christ is great for other people, right? I'm just like, he set them free out of the bondage, but I find myself chained up sometimes. You know what I mean? Like it's so much harder to accept that freedom for yourself. And so I'm not saying, oh, you got to believe it. I mean, you got to believe that you're actually free. And I'm not talking about some mind over matter stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about actually believe it in your soul. What he did on the cross was enough to actually set you free. Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By renewing your mind by a renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Change the way you think. The elephant is free. He's free. It just doesn't believe it. It just doesn't believe that it's free. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says this, for the world, excuse me, for the word of the cross is folly, it's foolish, to those who are perishing. So the thought that I would tell you you're free if you don't know Christ doesn't make any sense. There's no logic there. But to us who are being saved, us who know Christ, that you know the the freedom work that was on the cross, that's the power of God. It's like if you could have had a conversation with that elephant. I don't know, you probably shouldn't talk to elephants. But if you did, right? I mean, you're like, I feel like you're literally like, bro, you can walk away. Like you're big. You can just walk away. And he's like, he just says, no, I can't. I've been held back by this my entire life. I've tried it. I tried a long time ago and I'm in bondage. But again, folly. For him to think that would be foolish. He doesn't know any different. You and I, we know different. So I think the Apostle Paul saying it's foolish when you actually know. Because when you submit your life to Jesus, man, the, the power, the freedom of God, it's for those who are saved. You were struggling by yourself. Now you have the power of God inside of you. What you could never accomplish by yourself on your own in a lifetime, you can accomplish in moments with Jesus. You ever heard of the term squatter's rights? You ever heard that? So it's probably a layman's term, but it, it can lead into a, a legal term called adverse possession. And so I'll tell you a story really quick that I won't tell you where it's at or what campus it was, but it was at one of our three campuses. It's the one that's east of here. But it happened there. Uh, <laughs> and this place, man, right next to us, uh, there's this uh, dog rescue place that's there. Great, great, great place. You like dogs, they rescue them, and so it's cool. And so at this time in my life, we hadn't started this uh, campus yet here in Newcastle. And so I was over all the facilities actually over there in, in Norman. And so I got to looking at a survey and trying to figure out, hold on, hold on, hold on. It looks like, like they're dog pens. It looks like to me, it's like, that's like our property. Like they're way on our property. And so we started talking through this thing. And, and, and sure enough, sure enough, they were actually on our uh, property. And so before you know it, uh, we find ourselves in a lawsuit because they've, they've, they've maintained this for, for so long and we haven't done anything uh, to, to get them to, 
to, get, to get this back. But the reality is, there was so much of that time. Here's the truth. I, I, didn't, I didn't really go over there very much. Like, it was, it's a situation in, in Norman where it's down by this kind of like creek area. Like, I don't know. I just never walked over there very much. And really the staff didn't either. Like, so it's almost like it wasn't ours. Like, it appeared in our minds that it really wasn't ours. You would look over and you think, well, that's the dog kennel ends. That's probably, that's our property line. Probably you begin to think your property line out of some chain link fence someone put up. Like, you're like, oh, that must be it. And so here's the reality. They're, they're, at this point, they're using our land rent free. So let me, take, let me take the pastor hat off. Let's just talk business. From a business standpoint, terrible decision. Would you agree with that? Like if it's, if it's about business, someone using your property for free, and if you want to be business savvy, that's a bad decision. Like that's a bad decision. Here's my fear. Some of us are allowing the enemy to live rent-free in your head. Like the enemy has led you to believe that it's his. And listen, from a spiritual standpoint, bad decision. Bad, bad, bad decision that we would just allow him to take residence of some portion of our head and just begin to control it like it's his. It's not. We have to take back what was freely given to us because of the freedom that Christ gave us on the cross. Look at Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. This is the Apostle Paul talking again. I just think it's important that you understand he's talking to the church. This is not an altar call. This is not a bunch of unbeliever pagans. He's talking to the church. And he says, I'm astonished. I'm blown away that you have so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ. And now you're turning to a different gospel. Like, you know, like, you know, you were set free. You know all these things, but I'm here and I'm, and I'm, I'm mesmerized. But you ain't living like that. You're turned. You've turned and you're looking at some other form of gospel. Not that there is another one, he says, but there are some who trouble you, who distort the gospel of Christ. And, and, and Paul, but he calls them out for following this false gospel. They're, they found themselves in some real bondage because they're following a false gospel. They're taking some of Jesus and they're adding some things. If you read Galatians, they're adding some laws, some circumcision, all these things to the gospel. And once you add anything to the gospel, listen to me, it's not the gospel anymore. The gospel is, is Jesus crucified and buried and raised. That's it. You can't add anything to that. And so they're, they're, they're living and they're serving this false gospel. And for me, man, it's easy for me to look back and I look at them and I'm just like some knuckleheads, man. They don't understand the gospel. He's taught them. Why can't they get it? And then I think, oh, goodness, we do the same thing. We do the same thing. There's often, accidentally maybe, we begin following this false gospel. But listen, you've been freed from all of that. You have freedom from all these other additives to the gospel. Let me, let me give you a few. You've been freed from the gospel of, gospel of empty religion. So we're set free from empty religion, a passionless religion. We, we just, we're freed from just going through the motions. We can actually have a relationship with Jesus. We don't live like I'm gonna do these things perfectly because I'm supposed to. There's no joy in that. There's no joy in that at all. There's no life in that. There's no passion in that. And so really, I think there should be, reading the Bible, I think there should be this immense sense of joy if we're following the religion of the Bible. So empty religion, man, it would be, it would be joyless. 
lifeless, this practice of religion that is not hemmed or sewed into the person and the work of Jesus Christ. So you've been freed from that. You've been freed from empty religion. We've also been freed from the gospel of this fear-based behavioral modification. And this is right here, man. This is, this is Bible Belt time, man, because this is, I don't know how this happened, man, but this is the gospel we often believe. I think it's very important. Let me help you with this. I think many of us in here, we would say we're trying to be better, right? I just want to be better. But here's the problem. I think oftentimes we are trying to be better. What's motivating that actually is fear. Like if I don't do this, God's going to get me. Like if I don't behave in such a, a way, if I don't say this, if I don't act this way, God is going to get me because we look at our childhood. I mean, my dad told me to do something. I didn't do something. It was trouble. It was trouble if I didn't do what I was supposed to do. I got a spanking for X, Y, and Z from my, from my earthly father. If I I've, if I've, uh, came against the, the God of everything, how much harder would he be? So everything we do sometimes is this behavioral modification. We just want to change our behavior. It's, it's, it's driven by fear. And we've been set free from empty religion and fear-based behavioral modification. I'm not saying morality is not in the Bible. It's everywhere. I'm telling you, your morality does not save you. It does not save you. Just think about it. If it did, you're in trouble. Like, I'm in trouble. Think about the Ten Commandments. That's morality 101. And you can't do it. Right. You, know what I mean? you understand why the law was actually given? To prove you, you need a Savior. Because let me tell you, our God, he expects perfection. You will be perfect or you will not go. Therefore, we can't do it. So Jesus comes, now my, his perfection is on you and I. Therefore, he's pleased with us. But without Christ, your behavior modification gets you nothing. It gets you nothing. Now, I want to modify this behavior, absolutely, because of what Christ done in me. And so there's some things I see in my life, oh, I probably shouldn't say it, probably shouldn't watch Shawshank Redemption. Like, there's things that I should probably, I should probably change, right, in my life. But it's, only, it's not so I can get him to like me better. It's simply because I'm like, okay, he's done this for me. Let me change this about myself. So we've been set free for a purpose. Set free for a purpose. Freedom. It's for freedom that you've been set free, which means, if that's the case, you've also been saved. We know that from something. You've been saved from all these things. People understand this. You've been saved from, from condemnation, from sin. You understand all those things. But I think few of us actually understand that you're saved to something. You're saved to something. Like, what are you saved to? Galatian teaches us we've been saved to the freedom of knowing God's affection for us does not waver despite your persistent failures and your shortcomings. That ought to free you up. That ought to free you up to understand that the gospel really says there should be freedom. And knowing God's affection doesn't change for you. It doesn't change for you regardless, despite all the screw-ups you continue to have, all the screw-ups I continue to have. His feelings hasn't changed. God has never saved somebody and went back and said, darn it, I wish I wouldn't have saved that person. It's not how it works. It's not how it works. There should be freedom in that. So you're free from that. Last one, this will be offensive. The last one, uh, you've, been freed from, you've been freed from the gospel of politics. You have. You've been freed from that. Because here's the thing. Some of us seem to think we have this belief that Jesus needs, like Jesus needs 
your guy to win an election to accomplish his purpose. Like, I'm not saying it's not important. It's absolutely important who we vote for. I get it. But the thought that Jesus needs one of them doesn't make any sense to me. In fact, I think it's worth noting. Just, just go to Google. Just look at history yourself. Look at all the many. Let me say, like, so where all of the revival is happening. Go look. Go look at where the church has exploded in the world. It ain't here. Look where the church has exploded. It's always under all these words. It's actually illegal to be a Christian. The head guy hates us in those countries. And God is exploding. I'm not saying it's not important. I'm just telling you, don't think Jesus needs anyone. Jesus don't need you and he don't need me either. He'll do it. He, he spins this whole thing around. He'll shut her down when he decides to. He's in charge. And even the sovereignty of God ought to give you some freedom to walk in. Telling, I don't have to be this. I don't have to be that. He's already been all of that. It's not Jesus plus all these other things. It's not Jesus plus this, plus this, plus this. No, no, no. It's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. So is your life Jesus plus? Or is it just Jesus? Is your life Jesus plus all these external things? I can help him save me. I can help him get free. I can help myself get free. Or is it merely Jesus? If we trust God for our eternal life one day, and if you know Christ, you do. You trust him that there's an afterlife, I'm gonna be with him. If you trust him with that, why would we not trust him with our freedom here on this earth? I think one of the greatest indicators of what you actually believe about the grace that you have from God is the way you treat other people. I think it's kind of like a litmus test. Because listen, when I really understand how much grace has been given me, like when I sit down, I really think, okay, yeah, yeah, I, w I was this, I was this, and how much grace, it, you know how much easier it is for me to have grace on you? Like it's just easier. When I truly understand what he's done for me, man, it's so much easier when I understand that. Are you patient with other people? Because we know, man, you, you get, we got a cheat sheet. We got 1 Corinthians 13. We understand what love means and, and what it means to be patient. Are we, are we that? He's so patient with us. You keep score. Praise God, he doesn't. Are you kind? Do you say you love people and then aren't kind to them? I'm just saying when you're free, other people's opinions, thought processes and differences, they just don't bother you as much. They just don't bother you. Bob Goff says this. He talks about what he's talking about is how he, he wrote a lot of, a couple of books, great guy, but he, he talks about how he tries to see people. Because he knows, he's a depraved man, he's sinful. He knows where he'll go. And so the questions he always asks himself, I think they're funny, but he asks himself, and I, I don't know, it's probably worth noting. Maybe use these two. So before he even engage with conversation with someone, regardless how they act or run up, look like, whatever they're doing, he asks himself these, or assumes these three things. Number one, he assumes the least creepiest explanation of their behavior. So maybe there's crazy acting, like I'm, just gonna, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go least creepy as possible. Two, I just assume they're smarter than me. And then three, I just assume they love Jesus more than I do. It's a way to see people. And he goes on, let me just read this story to you because it's so, I think, eloquent the way he says it. But this is from him. He says that there's a beautiful verse that guides a lot of me. It says, consider others more worthy than yourself. He says, so I just assume that. 
And then the most important step is to think what's the least creepiest explanation. Because it's easy to come up with the most creepiest explanation for whatever just happened. But what if you came up with the least creepiest explanation? So he says, I spoke at a gathering, it was about six months ago, and this woman, there's 3,000 seats, and there's only one empty seat in the front row. And a woman walks in with a boa around her neck. Not feathers, but a boa constrictor. And he said, I'm like, run for your life. He's like, no. And I just said to myself, Bob, get a hold of yourself. And I just assumed she was smarter than me. All evidence to the contrary. And then I just assumed that her faith was more significant than mine because she was likely to meet God before me on this track. And I just thought, what's the least creepiest explanation? And you know what I came up with? Maybe she doesn't know. Maybe she ducked under a branch and it just wrapped around her. And I'm like, I'm not telling her. So I said, what if I just chill out a bit? What if I just chill out a bit? Because I I think that's keeping us from having some of the conversations that we probably would grow from. Because I don't think people grow when they're informed. I think they grow when they're accepted. And so my prayer is this today, that you and I, man, we would begin to actually walk in freedom. There's some bond some change I think some of us have. My prayer, my supernatural prayers that would fall off. Can you begin to walk in some of this and not go back? That's our problem. A lot of us, man, it's, I don't think it's often that you don't believe he actually can do it. I think most people, if you have a working relationship with Christ, you, you understand he can, he can free you. You believe that but why do we go back? Like, why would we go chain ourselves back up? You guys ever watch that old show, Andy Griffith Show? Remember that as a kid, I used to watch that. I think it's on Netflix right now, actually. You guys remember the, the town drunk, Otis? That dude was always drunk in the town. Remember that guy just walking around drinking the whole time? And they, they'd lock him up, man. You can't be drunk in the streets, they'd lock him up. But do you remember this? There were times, oh, Otis would get so drunk, like he just knew, and so he would go to jail. He'd lock himself up, remember that? I think we do that. I think sometimes we just go lock ourselves back up. Jesus sets us free. And then sometimes we add to our salvation and we just add chains on. We add these things to what God did and that he needs our help and our freedom. And it really just entangles us. When we dwell on the past, we're too prideful to allow God to, to have our sin, to take it away. It's just locking yourself back up. And so I want to pray for us today and just ask God truly just to, to remove some chains from us today. Let's pray together. Father God, we love you. We thank you, God, for who you are. We thank you that truly you are freedom. And that the only real freedom we will ever experience is in you. And God, help us not to grow Callous of the cross and, and what the, where that freedom came from was you crucified, dead and buried and raised. That's where it came from. And so God, I, I just pray for those of us in this room, God, that just feel a little bit chained up. And that could be chains of addiction. That could be chains of uh, just life has just been really hard and it's not allowing me to walk in the freedom. And so just with your head bowed and your eyes, let me ask you a question. Maybe you know Christ. You've walked with Christ for a while. So I'm not talking about salvation. You know him. 
but you do feel like there are a few things in your life that are kind of suppressing you, so to speak. Like you feel like there's some legitimate chains around some things that Christ has already freed you from. And that could be all over the map. But if that's you and you just want that freedom back, I just want you to raise your hand. I just want to say a quick prayer if you're not going to embarrass you. Yeah, hands. Yeah. Yeah. Father God, I just pray in Jesus' name. God, I pray you would take these away. God, you would, you would literally break chains, God. God, that if it's a head thing for us, God, I pray that you would strengthen our mind to know the gospel, to understand that you paid for this. If it's guilt, if it's shame, God, the Bible says that, that in you there is no guilt and shame. That it's just the enemy, it's just the evil one taking residence in our mind. God, I pray we'd take it back and we'd be able to walk in that freedom. Maybe you would say this. Maybe you're honest enough with yourself today and you would say, you know, I've never walked in true freedom. To knowing you have a purpose, to knowing that you have a God, to know you have a creator, to know that you have something to look forward to, that's freedom. And if you would say today, man, I don't, I don't know the Lord. I don't know him as my Lord and Savior. But I feel the stirring inside of me. Listen to me. I'm not trying to be weird. That's the Spirit of God. That's the Spirit of God awakening your heart. You would never choose him if he didn't choose you first. That's him. He's wooing you to himself. And you may not know what tomorrow looks like, but you just feel God moving. If that's you and you just want to surrender your life to Christ for the first time, why don't you just lift up your hand? I'm not going to embarrass, I'm not going to call you on stage. Just with your head bowed and your eyes closed, just pray like this, just to yourself. I'm not gonna pray all together, just pray this way. Just say, God, save me, just quietly. Whether you raise your hand or not, just say, God, save me. You want that? Just save me. Save me, God. I need you, God. My best understanding of the scriptures is if you really want that, he never says no. The answer is yes. Come home, child. Come home, son. Come home, daughter. I'm going to forgive you. God, forgive me of my sins. I'm turning from that. I want to follow after you. Just tell him, you know, I don't know what tomorrow looks like, God, but I want to chase after you. I want some real freedom with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it or share it on social media and tag at VFC underscore Newcastle. If you haven't already, download the Victory Family Church app to stay connected with everything that's happening throughout the week. Thanks again for listening. Have an awesome week.